0: When bank accounts have been closed or currency devalued, pro-democracy activists have turned to Bitcoin to keep their advocacy afloat. At the same time, El Salvador's populist leader, Nayib Bukele, has used Bitcoin to further his authoritarian agenda. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. In this episode, recorded at the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum, activists from Belarus, Russia, and Togo discuss whether Bitcoin is compatible with liberal democracy.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Um, anyone who came in late, there's a bunch of seats over here. So we can get comfy. I'm excited to present this session. We have one, uh, one of the panelists is on video. So when he's talking, he'll be up on the screen. Um, There is a big tension in, let's say, the Bitcoin community over the idea of uh, a grassroots movement that's pushed up from the bottom by people versus, um, let's say, imposing this on on top of people from from above. And I thought that this would be an interesting group to discuss this tension with. Um, We have people here who use Bitcoin as a democratic tool of activism, um, and we also have Uh, someone who lives in a country where Bitcoin was imposed on him against his will. So I think this is going to be great. Thank you, Anita, for for doing this for us. We've got 25 minutes, and and we're going to get going. Thank you. And I wanted to thank uh, Leonid, who's coming in by video. Leonid is um, one of the people who works most closely uh, with Alexei Navalny in Russia and is one of the most prominent opposition figures in Russia, very brave guy. We're honored to have him as well as the other speakers here. So take it away, Uh, Anita. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for uh, coming to our most very interesting discussion, I would say. It's called, Is Bitcoin Compatible with Democracy? And I'm starting uh, with a short introduction of our panelists. Farida Naborema is a Togolese human rights activist and writer who has fought for democracy in Togo since she was a teenager. And she founded the "Forum Must Go movement. Jaroslav Lichachevsky is a tech entrepreneur and member of the Belarusian diaspora. He's a co-founder of the Belarus Solidarity Foundation, which has been building a parallel digital, digital state and economy to get rid of President Lukashenko. Then on screen, I hope we then have Leonid Volkov. He was just introduced by Alex Gladstein. And Nelson Roda, Salvadoran investigative journalist who has been covering the use of Bitcoin in El Salvador for the independent newspaper El Faro. Welcome. I'd like to start this discussion with the term democracy, which appeared first in Greek city-states, meaning rule of the people, in contrast to aristocracy, meaning rule of an elite. For me, and I think Bitcoin's philosophy is to be money from the people for the people, where consensus about changes is needed from all participants in the network, and it works without the need of intermediaries, which we could see as an elite. So, to start this discussion, please tell us what your personal experience um, in your life or in your country has been with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency so far in fighting for justice and human rights.
3: Thank you, Anita. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, The reality of my country, Togo, is that we have been ruled by the same government since 1967, uh, making us the oldest military regime in Africa, 55 years with the same family. And interestingly, our struggle for resistance in Togo started literally in 1962 when the Togolese government passed a um, a bill, uh, the the parliament in December 1962, to... Um, create the Togolese independent currency, because, as other fourteen French colonial um, countries, we are used the colonial currency a month after that, um, President Olympio, who uh, initiated the bill, was assassinated by former members of the French colonial army, uh, who ended up ruling Togo for many decades. Um, as a result, um, living in togo money has been at the centre of our struggle for change, because literally uh, us falling under dictatorship came from our decision to, be, to want to become monetarily independent from the colonial system. Um, and under a dictatorial government, having a currency that is controlled by the state limits you in tremendous ways in terms of what you can do. You have activists' accounts being frozen. Uh, we currently have activists in Togo, and even regular citizens who were arrested and have spent years in prison and have been tortured simply because they donated money to citizens' movements or simply because they hosted people who came in town to protest against, against the government. So it came to a point where we needed an alternative in terms of finding the ways to raise resources without government scrutiny and ensuring the safety of those who want to support our struggle as activists. Um, and this has led us to creating um, a program which aims at educating activists and journalists on alternative ways of raising funds using Bitcoin, uh, which provides more anonymity and kind of like shoulders away from government control. Um, Togo and the other 14 countries in the French colonial system all um, have to follow the same monetary policies that were created by the colonial institution. Um, And in in that specific um, sector, Laws have been passed literally banning citizens from owning foreign currency um, there 's a maximum amount of currencies that you can legally detain uh, have um, that is non that is a non-CFA currency. Um, You are not allowed to have uh, a foreign uh, currency account unless you have received specific authorization from the Minister of Commerce, and literally you have no chance of obtaining that if you are openly opposed um, to the government. And and the CFA currency has lost over 200% of its value since the independence era, and as a result has increase poverty because people have lost more than double of their savings and and resources um, and have found themselves in greater debt. So Bitcoin provides that better stability while allowing us to continue our struggle, but also help us find a different uh, um, monetary system as we hope that one day we can have state institutions that are accountable to us, because for now, the people of Togo have no say whatsoever in terms of our fiscal and monetary um, and financial policies. Mm-hmm.
2: Very interesting, thank you. Yaroslav. please, your experience.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm a techie guy with software engineering background
4: from Belarus, but I'm not a crypto guy, I'm an AI guy. And back in times, uh, when we've been having fun on hackathons uh, with the friends, uh, I was quite sceptic about crypto and bitcoins and stuff. Okay, kids playing some coins, how it can hurt. My, meanwhile, like we serious dudes, uh, we do AI, machine learning, uh, computer vision, uh, detecting diseases, saving lives, and that kind of stuff. Uh, before 2020 happened, uh, when our political crisis escalated a lot, uh, and uh, like the, the political situation in Belarus is bad for almost 30 years, but 2020. It went completely crazy, uh, lots of crackdown, lots of violence in the streets, uh, 50,000 people in jail in Europe, can you can imagine, uh, and huge need of support in civil society and activists inside of the country. Uh, and we suddenly realized that the traditional financial system is 100% tracked and known by regime. All of the transactions, all of the assets, uh, all of the accounts, everything, uh, so they can freeze your, your your funds any day of the week. They can take it. You can put you into the jail because you receive support from abroad. Uh, and that's that's uh, the the moment we start using crypto for transferring money. Um, we we established a foundation in Europe, in the Netherlands. Been fundraising around the globe, and then we have to solve the problem how to transfer money safely to Belarus. Uh, obviously, crypto was uh, the first answer and the only answer at the moment. <coughs> Sorry, um, but but then uh, it's it's start evolving. So as as it's going worse and worse in Belarus, uh, sanctions applying. It all led to the war in Ukraine, and it, it, the economy is falling. Uh, less and less jobs, healthcare, education, everything goes down. Uh, we start building some services to empower people inside of the country. Like Lukashenko went a little bit crazy. He started firing hundreds of doctors. It's after COVID when hundreds already died. Uh, and that, that means lack of healthcare for people and uh, no jobs for the doctors. We are building a telemedicine platform. We are hiring them. We are providing healthcare to the country. Uh, the same with education and, and teachers. The same uh, with legal system and lawyers and uh, we, we, have to pay, we have to pay salaries to these people, uh, we, we do our operations in Europe, and when we have to build a financial system, right? On top of the services, we have a parallel economy growing. That means, uh, at a certain point, we can enable taxation within our digital country. Uh, we have taxation, we have to bring representation and build digital democracy, and for all of this, we need our own independent secure financial system. And that's where we can't rely on traditional banks, we can't rely on existing financial system, we have to build our own, and that's where crypto is golden for us and where, where it's brings new dimension of freedom.
2: Okay, super. Leonid Volkov, um, you're the chief of staff for Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader who was sentenced to nine years in prison in March. Can you tell us, um, from your experience, uh, how Bitcoin and cryptocurrency has helped you, or how is it is it supporting democracy?
0: Well, uh, first of all, I have to notice that my point of view is just point of view of an user. So we didn't, to, we didn't build a lot of theory about it, it just... May, we just have a lot of practice. Uh, our movement, the Anti-Corruption Foundation, has always been run on crowdfunding. We always relied on crowdfunding uh, since the very inception of the Anti-Corruption Foundation back in 2011. In 2013, we crowdfunded Alexei Navalny's mayoral campaign. And in 2016, when he decided he will run for president, we just started also a bitcoin wallet as one of the means of crowdfunding just one of the means for support for our movement this bitcoin wallet is still active so the use actually like the same public wallet we launched in 2016 so for six years now it's turned around altogether. was 675 bitcoins uh, <clears throat> over the six years unfortunately most of them uh in the times when the exchange rate was was much smaller than now so we used it uh only very transactional so the idea was like to have a spare channel of crowdfunding because otherwise normally people would donate using like well regular uh bank accounts regular uh debit cards inside the country which is of course very vulnerable to the authorities of course it was very clear for us that authorities at any point moment of time can just switch it off. The idea that we have Bitcoin as an additional tool of uh, collecting donations was uh, our plan B. They knew that we have Bitcoin, so they knew that actually if they decide to switch our regular donations off, which they were able to do at any moment, well, more of our donors, more of our supporters would switch to Bitcoin, which will make them actually like less visible, less understandable to the government. So while our Bitcoin donations were never, in no single year, there were more than 10% of our total donations, still the, the fact that this channel of donations existed was a very good insurance for our whole crowdfunding campaign. Well, lately, after uh, the events of april two thousand and twenty one when our movement has been recognised an extremist movement in russia when we, we have been outlawed and when we forced to relocate, uh, when we were forced to relocate abroad and when crowdfunding inside the country became impossible, suddenly we realised that bitcoin is also very important because we still can use it to support our friends and colleagues back there in russia. Uh, otherwise, it would be just too dangerous for them. They can't like, accept payments from, from us, the terrorists, because we are pretty much on the same list as like, Al-Qaeda and ISIS uh, in Russia now. So in these regards, yes, of course, Bitcoin still is a very important payment tool for us, but we don't have any specific philosophy about it. It's just like a very useful, useful reliable payment tool. That's okay. our experience of using it.
2: Okay, thank you. So now we heard a lot of positive things about Bitcoin. (laughs) And now I want Nelson to add his opinion, Um, seeing it like from uh, another perspective, because all of these movements are basically activist movements, resistance movements, grassroots movement, Uh, but in El Salvador it has been quite different.
5: Yeah, so it it shouldn't be surprising to the Bitcoiners not to trust a government, but that's what I'm here for. The problem for me is to believe in a government that promises financial freedom while cracking down on press mm-hmm. freedom, uh, and I can't believe in you shouldn't either. In a person pro- that talks about orange pills and laser eyes, well, me and other 25 journalists were uh, infected with the Pegasus spyware in this phone uh, from El Faro, where I work, 22 and Gato Encerrado, uh, three other journalists. Uh, I, 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 it, I have found it hard to believe in Bitcoin's theology of liberation while. Uh, the government that preaches it also boasts the highest in, uh, per capita incarceration rate in the world, 30,000 people, close to 30,000 people have been arrested in the, in the last two months because of uh, Bukele's alleged crackdown on gangs, uh, but there's hundreds of denouncers of uh, arbitrary detentions. Uh, and as a Cuban friend told us yesterday, there can be neither prosperity nor freedom to create in any sphere of society without political freedom. So... What I'm saying is that Bukele has weaponized Bitcoiners and their tweets to whitewash himself and the crooked actions of his uh, uh, government. Just last week, we published audios from one of Bukele's top officers uh, confirming the negotiations with gangs. Uh, you can Google Nayib Bukele Batman because Batman was his code name in these g- negotiations. We published the audios. Uh, and he didn't respond. Instead, what did Bukele do? He tweeted about Bitcoin. So this is uh, 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 what he has doing. As Anita was saying, the Salvadoran Bitcoin experience has been, and it is paradoxical, it's imposed from the top down, Uh, it's not grassroots-based. A December national poll revealed that only 10% people believe that the main beneficiaries of the Bitcoin law, which turns a year next week, uh, are the people, while 80% believes that either the rich foreign investors, banks, businessmen, or the government are the main beneficiaries. So... Uh yeah, there's a distinct element in the conversation.
2: Okay, but is it like, mine? I mean, Bitcoin is a technology. You can use it for bad and for good. Can you see that also?
5: Of course. I think for, as, payment is, as a payment rail, it has uh, possibilities. What I'm saying is that it's not being used like that in El Salvador. Uh, when people people like to say El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, did, did we really? Like, uh, because it's not accepted. Go in El Salvador and go into the streets and ask businesses. Not, not Starbucks or, or Pizza Hut or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to the streets and see if people are taking it because they are not taking it. It's, we're talking about a highly popular present. Uh, authoritarian regimes can be popular too. Two things can be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so highly popular present, 80% rates of approval uh, and Bitcoin was his first unpopular movement. The first uh, broad protest in the streets against Bukele were on September 15, a week later after Bitcoin, because the main thing that people got from the Bitcoin law is its volatility. So people were afraid that uh, we, we are on the dollar uh, since 2001. We are a dollarized country. So people were afraid with Bitcoin that uh, they would lose money, that they would lose the value of their money overnight because Bitcoin's tends, the price tends to go up and down. So uh, that, that, that is my point.
2: But isn't it also a lack of education that the problem, that's the problem, what the problem is?
5: I think there's a different conversation in whether you believe Bitcoin will uh, be sustainable at the long term, which is also a question. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think that. I think that's a question to raise. Uh, And certainly there's an education element. Uh, The government hasn't given education. The, the, The Chivo wallet is essentially, the national wallet is essentially. Uh, a surveillance tool, as I see it, because it's centralized. It's not a decentralized wallet, so the government can actually see every transaction that you do, which is kind of antithetical to Bitcoin. Also, dismantling democracy. In El Salvador there's no separation of powers. Uh, no rule of law. The president changed the constitutional court, and then the constitutional court changed what the Constitution says to allow Bukele to go for re-election in 2024. This is our ulti- I-, I don't believe in a tool for financial freedom if that's the only freedom that we're going to have. Yes. um,
3: He makes a great point in terms of uh, highlighting how authoritarian governments are really good with uh, hijacking popular um, campaigns and initiatives in order to. Uh, portray themselves as being progressive. Like you, you have experienced similar things um, in other sectors where you will have an authoritarian government trying to change the constitution because their ultimate goal is to run for another term but while giving the impression that they actually changed the constitution because they want to promote women, women's rights. Now, you, wanting, you protesting against that constitutional change is going to appear as you being against women's rights but when their real agenda is something other than that. The same for Bitcoin. At the end of the day, um, Bitcoin is like religion. It is something that people adopt and adapt to their lives to improve their financial situations and to uh, um, have access to financial systems that they initially have been excluded out of. Um, but when it is something that is done from top to the bottom, and it is imposed on people without their consent, and without taking into consideration their specific needs and, and problems, then you will end up creating a monster uh, um, and, and frustrating the, the masses. Um, and the whole—it defeats the whole purpose of, of Bitcoin. The idea of Bitcoin is to have. People use it um, uh, um, as a currency without the control of institutions, existing institutions. And now when you have governments that do not, do not represent the people, um, cannot be held accountable because they are not democratic, that are using Bitcoin to promote a narrative when in turn they are still Um, abusing civic rights, preventing citizens from having a say in the way they manage the state funding, um, Bitcoin will not solve that problem. Bitcoin remains a tool to help those who are fighting against people who are trying to oppress the masses at the end of the day. So um, for me, this El Salvadoran approach wouldn't be ideal, especially for countries that are ruled by authoritarian governments, because there is no trust that exists between the masses and the government. And when the people do not trust the government, they can bring them gold, they will still be doubtful to use it. And they will have resentments because they still have struggles. And before you think about, a saving in Bitcoin or putting your money in Bitcoin, you should afford two meals a day or three meals a day, which may not be the reality of countless of young people and in these situations um, who are living in very uh, extreme poverty.
2: Mm-hmm. Yaroslav, I think you have been discussing with Nelson a little bit today. Do you want to add something?
4: Yes, uh, I do. Uh, Nelson making a great point, but uh, w- what I have to say is that any system or any technology... Can be used uh, by authoritarian uh, countries or dictators only if it's isolated from the rest of the world. Uh, let's take internet. It works perfectly for the Chinese government because they managed to isolate it from the rest of the world. For Belarusian dictator or for Russian dictator, internet is a disaster because it allows to get free information from different sources. Of course, they're trying to abuse it and they're trying to build their own propaganda, but unless it's the closed environment, it's killing them, not helping them. The same here is with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not isolated uh, from the rest of the world. It opens an economy, uh, global economy for you. It enables uh, lots, of, lots of stuff and lots of processes for you. So they're just letting a gin out of the bottle. <laughs> And you have to say your wishes to this chain.
2: Do you want to answer?
5: I mean, um, sure, I think uh, it's just for me the benefits of Bitcoin are still pretty much theoretical in El Salvador and not actually translate to reality. It's been a year from the Bitcoin law, which was announced by Mr. Jack Maillers in a conference in Miami uh, last week, uh, last year. Um, and, and so what was promised to us was uh, <laughs> development, tourism, uh, and a reduction of fees of remittances. Remittances are amount to like 20% of El Salvador's GDP because we're 6 million people and 3 million live abroad, so 9 million. Uh, and the reality is that people are not catching up because the government launched a national wallet, it flopped. So people lost, co- lost uh, confidence, if you lose money, are you going to keep to- throwing money? Like, if you lose fifty dollars it might not be a lot, but at Salvadoran average wage for a month is like three sixty dollars three hundred and sixty so it's a lot of money for some people. So I, what I'm saying is that uh, so bitcoin is uh, uh, it has roots in the cypherpunk movement right and, and it was created by people like you know Phil Zimmerman who who was an activist persecuted by the government. Uh, how has this changed to uh, millionaires running around in helicopters, in military helicopters, in El Salvador, going to know this uh, supposedly Wakanda city that's going to be built a Bitcoin city, uh, uh, in, into this kind of crypto dystopia. Uh, so that, that that doesn't make sense for, for me. I was last week in the house of a fisherman in in this uh, uh, a township called El Condado uh, in La Unión, and it's in, in really beautiful house in the outskirts and in the countryside, and he's really. Uh, he's being displaced, and the community is being displaced to build an airport that's going to support the Bitcoin city. And so for him, Bitcoin is not practically... uh, It can have benefits in the future, but for these persons in El Condado, it's their township being erased.
2: So um, a short round at the end. What's your message to our audience today about Bitcoin and uh, democracy?
3: I will say that um, countless people across the world that have where states have failed them and institutions have failed them are still looking at Bitcoin as a way to support their struggle. It doesn't mean Bitcoin is solving the problem or is doing the fight for us. It is a tool in reinforcing the fight that we have been leading for decades. So do not turn a blind eye on it. And of course, it comes with uh, uh, um, some skepticism around it. Um, But I believe that each situation is different And when you grow up in countries where you literally have lost hope over decades um, about change, any little thing that can give you hope and help you improve your struggle um, should be a welcome improvement. Um, And I always say, do not hate what you don't understand. Just try to do more research and, and try to see how you can make it work for you.
4: Yes, Anita, I would like to refer to, to what you started with uh, about the democracy itself. So, democracy is where power grows from people. And the golden rule of the democracy is uh, two people can steal less than one, three can steal less than two, four can steal less than three, and so on and so forth. So, when we are dealing with a traditional financial system, you can bribe just a couple of corrupted bankers and do uh, like wash whatever money you want. With a Bitcoin, when it's controlled by all of the network and it's controlled by uh, like all of the people, all of the citizens included, there uh, that's that's some kind of financial democracy probably we are seeking for so uh, yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tech guy i'm fancy of the technologies and i'm i will encourage all of you to try it because it could be really useful it could be scary it could go the wrong way but we if we do everything right it will serve us uh, serve us very good
5: if, if you believe in bitcoin you can cheer on the president uh, and on the government giving Salvadorans this tool for financial freedom and still call on to him to respect democracy, rule of law, separation of powers, freedom press, uh, and all of the other freedoms that human beings need.
2: Thank you.